Hello everyone, I'm Paul Crick from the Elevate Partnership and I'm one of the co-hosts for the Pocket Dojo podcast. And I'm Asha Singh from Learning Through Doing. I'm the other co-host. Welcome to the Pocket Dojo, where we'll be talking with organizational leaders about how to turn the what of leadership into the how we actually need to do it in practice to be more effective today. In this episode, we're talking about the challenges that women commonly face as leaders and how we've helped our clients to deal with them and overcome them. In today's episode, we're talking about the challenges that women commonly face as leaders and how we've helped our clients to deal with them. I recently came across this really interesting, uh, relevant research uh, how did she get there? Published in October 2022 by the Bridge Partnership, uh, an international organization on leadership development consultancy. And we are Left Field, a design thinking studio. The purpose of the research was to try to understand better how women can get to the top of organizations uh, with some really common barriers that they face. The lived reality of women and men at work is really different. It can be from such simple things as noticing the temperature of a room, which has been set to a male norm, to being spoken over, which is something I personally can really identify with. When asked uh, by the researchers, 36% of women uh, expressed how it was much more difficult for them to be listened to and taken seriously compared to 15% of their male colleagues. Uh, to perhaps the most important of all is rising up the ladder in an organisation, if that's what women want to do. Despite consistently higher performance, uh, their possibilities are often much more limited. There's a real noticeable gap that isn't getting any smaller. Globally, women continue to take on 75% of the unpaid workload, acting as the caregiver for children and elderly relatives. During the pandemic of the past three years, women were increasingly more burned out than men. One in four women have considered downshifting their career. It's clear that inherent biases exist in organizations and society at large, and divisions are deeply entrenched. Even though organizations are aware of the gap, they don't seem to be any nearer to closing it. Many of the solutions that have been tried to date, and there's lots of research around on these, have been focused for the most part on fixing women, asking them to be more demanding, more assertive, to lean in, in short, to be more like men, rather than trying to address an unhealthy organization. So Paul, I'd love to understand how this research corresponds to what you found in your investigations in early 2022. So, in thinking about this challenge and this whole set of challenges, one of the mistakes that's often made is to go out and to design something that tries to make things better. And we present it and we go, ta-da, isn't that better? And everyone goes, no, it's not what we wanted. So we took the important first step, which was really to go out and to speak with uh, a group of women leaders. And in the end, we ended up speaking to 40 women 
uh, in various sectors. So we talked public sector, we talked the nonprofit sector, and we also talked to private sector. Uh, we also had some uh, views from the military as well. So we got a broad spectrum of views uh, and experiences um, that told us uh, verbatim what some of the journeys were into leadership and what some of those challenges were. And what we did was we distilled those into uh, what you see here, which are the, are the post-it notes. So I have to fight, I have to sacrifice was a common theme. I'm tired of having to deal with stuff that men don't want to. Um, there was often a story that said, you know, well, um, if it's something emotional, can someone else deal with that? Because it's something that traditionally, and I know these are sweeping generalizations, but it came out of the dialogue that said, you know, dealing with more softer stuff, emotional stuff is something that men generally seem to find more difficult. I'm fed up with not being seen and heard and supported and used as a secret weapon. I thought that was an interesting comment. Not being able to take the rightful place at the table in terms of being able to speak the truth. So on the one hand, there's this encouragement to lean in and to be more assertive, but when actually women are, then they're seen as being too much or uh, too big for their boots or whatever that appropriate expression is. A common theme was there was this constant sense of being exhausted, but always picking themselves up. So this over, um, this this overwhelm that women were experiencing, not just in the workplace but also outside the workplace, caused tremendous difficulty. Then we had adverse experiences, whether they were outside of work but very often inside of work that were catching up with them. You know, they were, women would be cautious working, walking into certain situations uh, and would hold back. And this put a drag, they felt, on their performance. There was also a sense of when women had worked hard and become successful, there was almost a stepping back and saying, okay, I've done this, this is great, but what now? I've been successful. And you know what? there's something missing and I don't know quite what that is yet. There was also a lot of talk about wanting their career on their own terms rather than someone else's terms. The last interesting area was where work situations seemed to cause all kinds of difficulties in terms of you know, triggering a, a, a responsive behavior, a, a reactive behavior that in some ways was an overused strength. And people really felt that actually it wasn't the way that they wanted to respond or to be in the workplace. Well, Paul, that sounds like a pretty close confirmation of what uh, the Bridge Partnership and Leftfield found in their investigation as well. Mm. During our recent visit to Broughton Sanctuary, Paul and I uh, started a conversation about how we came to support women leaders uh, in organisations to be able to lead on their own terms. This is part of what we'll be looking at in the renewal retreat at Broughton next spring. So there's an important book by Giles Hutchins and Laura Storm called Regenerative Leadership. And in that, they talk about the four disconnections that we seem to be seeing all over the world right now. The first is the disconnections from human, between humans and nature. The second is the apparent disconnection between masculine energy and feminine energy. 
The third one is the disconnection between mind, body and spirit. And the final one was between logic and emotion. And the reason we're putting this retreat together is because we are hoping to do some work with some senior women to help them uh, through the process of doing their own reconnections to those things. Is that about right? I think so. And I think, you know, also just at a personal level, when we met um, at a leadership event in Germany just over a year ago, actually, it feels like so much longer. Yes. It was last summer. Um, you know, though, I think there was a, a recognition that we, you, both you and I, are holding uh, combinations of those things mm. and that we were really curious to bring those together and see how that could um, help to create an amazing experience for women who want to explore these disconnections, exactly. And I get a sense from the research that we've both done um, that these are themes that keep coming up mm. over and over again, yeah, not necessarily in that precise language, mm. but that, mm. that you know, we've reached an inflection point. <laughs> we recognize that things need to be different. Mm. How do we do that? So exactly. The, the the why of the retreats is to is to give women that opportunity for exploration yeah and also just a you know another thing that's coming to me as we're talking is that you know there's a lot of of energy and action and let's cancel everything that mm. you know we think is is not working or we make these you know strong judgments about whether something is good or not or mm. whatever and rather than um sort of pour fuel or you know on the flames of that wiping everything out and starting all over again it's really about uh, exploration and healing and there's so many different you know aspects that could be explored so that it's a process of integration yes. as opposed to let's just scratch everything and start all over again in ways that we should do or shouldn't do and what i think we both really want to to get away from that kind of approach to to dealing with some of the challenges i agree i think it's i think it's too easy to throw away yeah. uh, the the maybe out with the bathwater as the expression goes and i think you have to find where you are now to be able to say right this is where we are this is a recognition of how I truly feel, mm. you know, when I take time to explore that mm. and then to go through a thought process of, in, as a collective and in individually, to think about, okay, so where, where do I want to go now and, and what options do I have um, yeah, when, I take, yeah, when I take the time to slow down a bit. Mm. So what brought you to Broughton? I, this is the first time I've come here, thanks to, to you, you know, inviting us to, to come well, here. Well, I'm glad Broughton. you're enjoying it. Yeah, I'm loving it. Um, it's an amazing place that I'd love to talk a little bit more about in a minute as well. But just curious, what, what brought you here in the first place? Why the connection with Broughton? It was a, it was a connection my wife had made with Liz Dawes, uh, Liz Dawes the for, Forest Guide. She does all the, um, so we, Liz is going to work with us on day one. And uh, it was, uh, do you fancy doing this? Mm. It was kind of like, yeah, this kind of looks cool. And we were looking for a, a weekend break and we liked the countryside. So we took a look and we stayed, uh, we stayed over in Keithley uh, at an Airbnb and then we came across and we were just bowled over mm. by uh, the sights, the sounds, the senses, the, yeah, all the senses were engaged in, mm. in a way that it's difficult to explain, 
unless you get here because I know you and I've had the mm. conversation I'm going oh you've got to come you've mm. got to come and it's it, it, it's hard but I think you'd agree once you get here it kind of it's the sort of place that that impacts you in ways that you don't expect yeah. and you know, it has a very calming influence uh, there's a lot of nature to take in the food is the food's exquisite mm. I mean really yeah, it's been really tasty um, and, and the facilities are just perfect you know the spaces are beautifully designed that that we're not trying to do something in a holiday inn or a mm. crown plaza around mm. Heathrow somewhere mm. we're, we're actually taking time and, and you know uh, the Tempest family who curate and look after and manage and develop this site have put poured so much into uh, the design and making it work specifically for all kinds of different retreats so it just it just fits so that's how I got here yeah and it's been amazing for me just we haven't been here even 24 hours no. um, I'm on the back of a bout of flu and I had serious doubts about whether I was even going to make it on the plane and I thought I'd you know I'd great to see you guys and I brought in of you know the Tempest family and everybody here have made a real effort to working muscle I didn't want to you know let them down and I have to say even on the train up from London from Leeds I was like oh shall I just get off at Skipton and go back and then I was like of course I'm not going to do that and I'm so glad that I'm here um, and I mean apart from the beauty and the care and the love that is so apparent in everything that we've experienced just in these you know less than a day really um, I'm really struck by all these different spaces. So it's October in Yorkshire. The weather is what it is, and it's pants, quite frankly. Um, and yet, I've really enjoyed actually even being out. Well, you and I went down to the river yesterday. To, we did yeah, a very, you know, full kind of about to burst its banks type river. Um, in the driving rain and blustering is 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 a you know, gentle adjective to describe the, the wind. And we went up to, there's a, looking out here is, is the edges of the moor and, and uh, Cameron, the general manager here, took um, Tina, your wife and myself out in a, you know, serious bit of Land Rover, well, whatever, pickup truck through a forge that was, was nearly as swelling as the river and up to one of the houses up there, which was, you know, howling a gale and it just, was so evocative and powerful, mm. you know? and the different spaces that we've walked around here, um, I'm astonished. I've done my own, you know, work in retreat. I've lived in a Buddhist community in the heart of Scotland. Um, I've, you know, been to different things around the world, and I'm really struck by what what has been created here. Mm. So these really different spaces, some are very elegant, uh, some are more kind of functional, but there's a really strong energetic, I mean, I feel amazing for somebody who's just getting over the flu. Um, I love the vegan food. I love the different energy of these spaces, like you say, you know, it mm. can cater for so many different things mm. in ways that really... Uh, a retreat in particular is so much about the place. It is, and and it aligns with the work they're doing here in terms of regeneration, mm -hmm. renewal, rediscovery, reconnection. All those themes are what we're bringing to the retreat uh, for senior women. You know, successful, strong women who've got to a an inflection point in their thinking or maybe their career. 
to to provide a relevant experience, a beautiful experience, and a powerful experience. That when they go away from it, mm. they they're going to be changed in some small way uh, to move on to whatever is right for them. So I think this is a this is a superb place to do it. Yeah, it really feels like a renewal runs through apps. I feel renewed Good. actually. I'm a long time um, coach, facilitator. I work mainly today with executive teams. Uh, I have done a lot of work with senior women leaders looking to find their own voice and their own way of leading in uh, quite hierarchical, very geopolitical, often conflict-ridden, uh, you know, mature organization, organizational systems, which they are expected tr to transform um, and exploring with them, how can they do that mm -hmm. in ways that allow them to be, them, be themselves, you know, mm -hmm. to be who they are. Um, they're often, you know, really smart, powerful, competitive, high achieving, you know, amazing women that do amazing things in their spare time that, you know, I'm like astounded by. Um, I don't, I, I, that's not who I am, but I have found uh, that what I can bring as a woman moving through those systems, um, as somebody who comes in and out and, you know, knows them well, the systems, knows the dynamics, knows the challenges, knows the stories, the narratives that get, told um, can be really effective in helping them to find their own way through. Um, so that's what is bringing me into, into doing the work. Um, and in coming together with Paul, we met um, at a leadership circle event. That's one of the systems of, of leadership that we've both been interested in along the way. Um, at an event not much more than a year ago, and I'll let Paul, you know, talk about your own work in that. But in, you know, starting to experiment with Paul about some of the, the work that he will also bring, I think, into the retreat, um, there was a really lovely connection of bringing that. You talked, mentioned about the disconnect between masculine and feminine mm -hmm. and being in nature. Um, and I think those were, for me, at least the, the particular sort of things that got me really curious about how could we bring these you know, who we are together into something to create the kind of experience we want to offer to the women that will take part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my work's been, uh, so I've been a coach for 13 years. Yeah. Uh, and as part of becoming a coach, you end up doing your own work. Mm. Um, fundamental part. It's, yeah, absolutely fundamental. And what's been interesting is, when you then go out into the world and say, hey, I'm a coach, who can I serve? Mm -hmm. My clients have been senior women, not because I've necessarily gone out and said, hey, senior women, come and work with me, but mm -hmm. simply somehow mm -hmm. that's the way it's ended up. And they're in large corporate size, a management consultant working all over the world for 20 plus years and saw all kinds of things. You know, I worked with 40 plus global companies in different states of change and progress and looking at the systems in there, what worked, what didn't. I got involved in training what might be called soft skills. Mm -hmm. 
And the more you delve into that, the more you get a sense of dissatisfaction. So I was lucky to do a TED talk in 2019. Uh, and there's this astonishing figure in there uh, that, that still boggles my mind and most people's new minds because it's just so big, which is they estimated we spent $366 billion globally on training leaders around the world in various <coughs> terms. And there was a part of me that said, well, if that's the case, why is it not working? I, I couldn't do that. So I, I couldn't figure out what that was. And so I wanted to find new ways of moving away from let's all fly to a hotel in Copenhagen. Let's do flip charts. Let's do models. role plays. Let's do models, um, which are all very valid. But if they're not working, we need to do something, not necessarily throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we need to try other things. And, and my experience is you have to teach the whole person, so therefore you have to bring the body into play. That doesn't happen in hotel conference rooms too often, um, if at all. Mm. And I think that's essential. I think also we need to bring people outside. So, you know, this, this flying into an airport, going to the hotel, spending three days in a conference room, getting in a taxi, going back to the hotel, you know, you miss out on a whole bunch of things that could open up people to new ideas, new ways of being, new ways of connecting mm. um, that those curriculums don't do. And so when I came to Göttingen and we met, I was bringing, um, so if you read my uh, material on LinkedIn, you'll find out that I, I, I do martial arts and my black belt in Aikido. And I wanted to find don't a mess. way, well, it's, it's not so much that, it was, it's how do you take those principles and that we learn on the mat and learn them off the mat because they are so relevant. And so when I was in Gottingen, I devised a class and it, it fortunately went really well. That's where we met. Um, and what I loved about working with you was there is a creative tension here um, between us that is this masculine feminine energy in kind of the way it's supposed to work. So we're not always sweetness and light. Uh, we sometimes have the odd difficult conversation, but we get through it. But we respect how each of us comes to the table and what we bring, and we're still learning what that is. And we want people to share in that. We want our participants to do that because what we learned from the research we did was it isn't about fixing women. They don't need fixing, they're fine. They're, they're successful, they're strong. What they need to do is reconnect and rediscover and find their voice again, not because they never had one, it, they did, but to go back into that and go, oh, I've got time, I've got space, I've got other mm -hmm. people to commune with. And, you know, we've got masculine energy and feminine energy in the room facilitating this and in the outdoors. Um, hopefully that will become a catalyst. I'm sure that will spark conversations around an agenda that takes people through a whole uh, cognitive experience and also an embodied experience where there's a great deal of freedom mm. uh, to explore that without judgment um, and in a way that is safe for each of the participants. Yeah, also realistic, you know, so um, coming back to the what you were talking mentioning earlier, Paul, about, you know, the amount of money that's spent on leadership development, right? And leadership is so contextual today. With the challenges that we face, uh, you know, even within a very structured environment, etc., 
Um, for people to be able to find small but powerful ways to connect with each other, mm. to use the tech that is available in ways that's effective, you know, to find, to use some sort of uh, technical language for a moment, affordance and agency, yep. um, are fundamental in, in being able to be effective. Okay. And I think, you know, that's what we really want people to be able to explore here. Yeah. And in such a way that they can go back into daily life and for it to be really useful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the echo chamber that is LinkedIn, we keep seeing the same messages over and over again, and they're actually not really, they're useful reminders in some ways, but they're reminders of what the old is. And the whole world, you know, as we come out of, out of the pandemic and into this environment that is perhaps more chaotic than it's ever been, more uncertain than it's ever been, then we need we need something new uh, to to emerge, but that comes from individuals. It doesn't come from people saying, do it like us. It doesn't come no. from people saying, here's a change initiative that's going to change change your organization. Because the change, as we were saying earlier, when we were, when we were walking back from the woods, we were saying, you know, change, change is an individual decision. You know, and it's a dance, it's not a light switch. So our hope is that in designing this and in, and, and the way that we, we we, we bring and hold this space uh, for people to use that sort of phrase gives people an opportunity and some time to really explore what needs to be explored for them. You know, I still can't really get my head around that number. It's so huge, particularly when you look at all the major challenges we have around the world now and how our leadership really doesn't seem to be doing what it needs to. I know it's insane, isn't it? So, Paul, that's a really nice introduction to some of the work that you've been doing to help women leaders become more effective and be true to themselves. What did you actually do in practice to help them and what changed for them as a result? Well, as you'll know yourself from your own work, you know, no two clients are the same. The presenting problem or the, the issue that comes into the, the coaching room is never really the coaching issue. Uh, there's always something underneath that. And I worked with uh, someone who was about to step into a general manager role, the general manager at country level uh, for a global technology organization. And uh, this person uh, was just full of self-doubt and couldn't understand why her, her uh, peers and her bosses were saying, here's all these great opportunities and we want you to do this and we think you'd be good at this. Which one would you like to choose? And she actually came in saying, I've got this major presentation to do and I'm really, you know, really robotic or I really get a sense of I'm robotic and, you know, I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. I mean, it's a, it's a common thing. Um, we've had fun recording this, so um, it's a common thing to sort of freeze or be a, be a little bit static. And the work I did with her really looked at uh, things that had happened in the past, certain what I would call sensitizing events or important events that had an impact on her neurobiology. And we went back to look at, well, what was it that you needed to learn when you experienced that? And there's a whole range of techniques that, that can be used, but I pick one um, where I took her through essentially a thought experiment. Uh, where we went into a theatre and we invited the person that caused the issue to come on stage. 
they had a conversation about what went on. Um, and what came through that was the lesson that needed to be learned, which was actually she was very capable. It wasn't about her, it was about the other person. And therefore that kind of balanced things up. So when we came out of the thought experiment and said, so how do you feel now? Um, it was a case of, well, I feel a lot lighter. Then what we did was we actually went to a theatre, one of the West End theatres in London, and we were lucky enough to get access to be able to put it right on stage in front of an audience. And the idea there was simply to give her a way of having a visual and an auditory and a, and a felt sense anchor that was really positive. So we just we just got people to clap while she was on stage. Um, she didn't have to say anything. And then we just helped her stand taller in her shoes. Um, it wasn't that she was slouching. It was really that she needed to feel she was standing taller. She was a she was a tall young woman. Um, and, by, and so that's the kind of work we do, um, or certainly I do, uh, when I'm helping people to stand in their own voice. So it's not about fixing them. It's really tapping into um, some of the stories and narratives that are, that these women are telling themselves that simply aren't true. We just need to find a way of helping them to convince themselves they're not true. And what that does is that produces a whole set of different creative options uh, and opportunities that they can pursue. So that's one example. How about you, Asha? What a fantastic story, Paul. Um, so last year I was working with a senior leader in a global organization who work in this area of aerospace. Uh, aerospace is obviously a really geopolitical sector, so it's highly regulated. Um, it's quite hierarchical. I mean, it's pretty old school in, in many ways. It's also obviously really uh, male dominated, although this particular client organization have done a lot of work to improve uh, diversity and bring women in, not least because STEM, uh, women in STEM rather, is obviously you know, a really big issue for, for lots of, of organizations. So uh, this leader, I'll call her Sarah, that's obviously not her name, but I'll call her Sarah for now. Um, she was new, fairly new into role. Um, she was also uh, in a new technical area. She'd come from a very different one. So she felt quite challenged by the fact that she was uh, being asked to manage to lead a group of, of highly experienced experts, all of whom, except for one, if I remember rightly, were, were men. Um, they were quite good at, because I hadn't been led for a while, she was she came in after a you know a gap of leadership, uh, and they were quite good at, at avoiding all the things that they didn't want to deal with and and getting on with you know the technical areas that that were interesting for them. So given her competitive, ambitious, you know, intelligent nature, Sarah felt really under pressure because she was being asked to not only you know, get great results out of this, this group of men who hadn't been led for quite a long time, but also to do it in an area where they clearly had a lot more knowledge uh, operationally, technically than she did, and it was a real challenge for her. So I do a lot more collective work these days. I don't do that much work with individuals. I think both things are really important. We need to do our own uh, you know, development and then look at how we interact with others, particularly when we work in large organizations because it's, it's all in the system if you like. Um, so I brought them into a two-day workshop, uh, actually in two different day locations, just to kind of add that into the mix. And we focused on, we did quite a lot of preparation first to, to get some you know useful information, etc., a bit like you did with your research um, for the retreat. 
And we uh, focus really on two areas. So the inner nature, let's say, so how our own beliefs, values, behaviors, et cetera, create, uh, you know, some of the dynamics that we obviously experience, uh, you know, both immediately in our own teams or in the wider organization. And then at the challenges themselves that operationally, whatever that this team needed to look at. Um, it was a really powerful, you know, playful also couple of days in which the importance of a facilitated dialogue really helped them to look at things that they don't normally, you know, obviously consider on a daily basis because they're too caught up in the, in the, you know, business of operational life when you're under pressure, etc. And I think Sarah in particular found a couple of, of things really surprising. So first of all, uh, the fact that I modeled or showed them, you know, demonstrated how to to have dialogue rather than to come up with a plan of action to begin with, it really helped her to, to experience how it was possible to enable her team rather than drive them to results. It meant for the team that they could have, you know, really open, honest discussion and conversation about things that firstly they don't really talk about all the time and that help them to regroup. And also to bring forth, you know, all the wisdom and knowledge and experience that they had for addressing the operational challenges, which at the end of the day, that was what they need to do. Mm -hmm. So they both had this opportunity to, to think about the deeper stuff and then having done that to address, you know, what it is that they needed to do together. Uh, and the other thing that I think really struck Sarah was the fact that people are just really busy every day. You know, it wasn't that they didn't want to talk to her or listen to her or that they were speaking over her. They were quite surprised by she and the other female colleagues shared quite a lot of, of you know, their their different experiences in the team. And, and the guys were surprised, shocked is perhaps a bit strong, but were surprised by what they heard and were very respectful and, you know, made every effort to, to make sure that those things would get addressed in the future. Um, so that kind of team collective you know, exploration also at a deeper level can be really, really useful. And join us for episode two of the Pocket Dojo podcast on Monday, the 27th of November at 9am, when we'll be talking about the importance of finding your own voice as a woman leader and ways that you can do that. As always, you'll be able to watch us on your favourite podcast channels, including YouTube. We'll also be on social media at LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. See you then. Bye for now.